Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you. You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, DR Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, the one and only Lindsay Schwartz. Welcome, Lindsay. So excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. And I want to tell the audience just a little bit about you. Um, So I have a bio. Lindsay is an entrepreneur, top podcast host, and best-selling author, fiercely committed to supporting other women, Lindsay invests her time in mentoring women and girls of all ages, from high-achieving entrepreneurs to high school students. She's also an investor in female-founded companies, including the beverage brand Light Pink. As a sought-after speaker, speaker, Lindsay travels around the world, inspiring women to get out of their own way and into action around their big ideas and helping them create the careers they've always dreamed of. Welcome. So excited to have you. Oh my gosh. That's, it's always so funny hearing like the highlight reel of your life. Like if we're getting vulnerable, I'm like, there's a lot behind the scenes that people don't get to see. So I'm excited to dive into that too. Yes. We want to hear all about it. Yeah. And absolutely. We're here to get vulnerable and we know that that's how we grow and how we truly connect. So 
I want to just start with that, honestly, just a little bit about your journey and how you got to this place of, I would say, like fiercely standing for women, supporting women and coming together and not doing lives, not doing life or business alone. I love that, that I see, I see that everywhere in your content. Like we're not meant to do it alone, but you're such a fierce advocate for that. But how, how did you get there? What, what led you to get to this place? Well, I think like most of us, I started almost accidentally down this road, really just looking for solutions for myself. And what happened was I you know, took my first job out of college. Like I always call it my first big girl job, moved to Arizona, really had this life that very much was on track with my perfect little plan. And in 2008, the recession hit and I was in the commercial construction industry. I sold carpet. If you didn't know that about me, fun little fact. Yeah, it's, there's no way to make that sound glamorous, but here I was, you know, selling these huge commercial construction projects and they came to a screeching halt. And it was the first time in my life where I kind of went, well, wait a minute. I was kind of sold this idea of, that this was the safe route, the corporate route. You know, you, I came from the Midwest where it's very much the idealized version of life is you get a great job, you know, 401k, you start a family and that is beautiful. I just came to this point where I was like, oh, maybe that's not always the case. Maybe that's not always true. And it was the first time in my life that I said, well, if I want to feel a sense of security right now with all of this uncertainty, so similar to what we're experiencing as a country right now, I have to take it in my own hands. And so I started a little business on the side, health and wellness coaching, and was working with a network marketing company. And so I would find myself in these conversations with women all the time where they would say, gosh, I would love to do something of my own, or I'm so inspired by what you've done. Cause eventually I did leave that job and went into business full time, you know, again, kind of like the idealized version of this entrepreneurship journey. But what people didn't see behind the scenes is I was still struggling with imposter syndrome. I had to overcome perfectionism every single day. I was paralyzed by like the fear of criticism and what other people might think of me. I just kept getting up and doing it anyway. And I would sit across the table over coffee with so many different women who would share a version of that. I would love to do something of my own, but, and then there would always be this reason why they didn't think they were ready or think they were qualified. And every single time I would kind of shake my head and go, hold on. Did, did no one tell you (laughs) like these things that you're describing as the barriers for why you can't do that thing. You just told me you really want to do. That's what all of us feel all the time. Like, are we not talking about that enough that people don't realize when you start to feel those insecurities and the doubts and you're stretching beyond your comfort zone, that's not a sign to stop. It's literally showing you you're going in the right direction. So after a few years of having those conversations and also just kind of feeling a little burnt out by the network marketing industry, the health and wellness industry, I had the opportunity to write a book. And it was the first time I said out loud, I don't think I want to talk about health and fitness anymore. And what ended up coming from that book writing project, which I'm definitely glossing over, which we can circle back to so much of having to get out of my own way just to write that damn thing is this message that powerhouse women has grown into now, which is that we do all struggle, but ultimately what I think a powerhouse is, is 
the fundamentals of that are within all of us, right? It's those of us who know we're meant for more. We have a big vision for our lives. Does not have to be a business. It could be for your career or for your family. And you're just committed every single day to working toward that vision and becoming the best version of yourself. And little did I know there are a lot of others out there who resonated with that message and who didn't want to do it alone. And so here we are five years later, five and a half years since that first book came out. And I never imagined it would turn into all of this. It just was not on any vision board, was not in any plan. And it honestly has stretched me further than I think I was even ready for. But what's cool is on the other side, I've become this version of myself that I'm so freaking proud of. And I think we underestimate that part of the success picture is I I could care less about all the other external things who I know myself as I will take that outcome over anything else, hands down every day. I love this so much. There's so much we could circle back to, but just to go off of what you're saying, who we become in our personal growth process and our healing process, that's, that's so much more like empowering. And I think like, even, you know, I, I do obviously relationship coaching is a relationship podcast. And we have women who come in and they're so focused on the goal, right. Of, Ooh, I just want that partner, but it's actually, Hey, let's take a look at who do you get to become in order to attract that healthy, great relationship? And, and I love my clients who will send me like, Oh, look, I'm getting married. I'm engaged, whatever, but like great for them. Right. But the real thing I love is when somebody messaged me and and they say, I can look at myself in the mirror and I love myself for the first time ever. And I'm smiling back at this version of me that I didn't even know was possible. Like that's the stuff that really lights me up. Yeah. You know, it's so true. And I've, I've started saying this, I'll say what it is in a second, which ties exactly into what you're saying just recently, because I'm working on book two now and trying to reflect back over like the journey and knowing that women, you know, women could probably look at the surface of what my life looks like now, what my marriage looks like now and say like, well, what did you do? Just give me the steps that you took. You know what? Almost no one asks is who did you become? Yeah. And that's where the secret or whatever secret we think we're going to find, that's Mm -hmm. where it lies. Like, yes, of course it takes action. Of course, relationships take intention. And there are certain things that you do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your perfect partner isn't going to come knock on your door. You have to like take actions in order to put yourself in the position. But the part we often miss is who are you becoming in the process that gets you ready to meet that person, to have that business opportunity, to serve those clients when the opportunity arises. And it's that part that, especially in my content now, I'm focused on so much more because otherwise people are missing. They're just missing it. And I don't want people to miss out on anything in life that they want to achieve, but we're asking the right wrong question. If we're only asking, okay, what do I have to do? You have to also ask, who do I have to become? And then every day becoming that person. So powerful. So, so powerful. And I think about business and, you know, I, I don't talk about it as much on this podcast, but basically my own journey was a lot of what, what you described. If I had no idea 
that this was going to become what it what it has, where we've helped over 250 women at this point through our program and the podcast was at 2 million listens and Instagram was, you know, like all these external things. I had no idea that it was going to grow like this. So I had no idea that I was going to have to become a CEO. That was never, I just wanted to help people. I was like, no a one CEO? Tells us that. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't on my vision board. <laughs> so for me, it's been this whole journey too of realizing, oh, I have to grow. And I, I get that opportunity because this mission is so much bigger than me. And like, who do I have to become to continue to grow this mission? Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a powerful question. And I think, Lindsay, that's one of the things that helps you stand out from all the other business guru marketing bros on the interwebs, right? <laughs> because they're like, so strategy, 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 and not that inner work of, well, who are you? How how are you going to show up? And that's, it is absolutely missing from a lot of the online business coaching world. Yeah. And I look, I get it. I am very left-brained. I love a good strategy and you still need that. Right. But it's unfortunately, I realized actually not unfortunately, I think I just was very naive to the fact that it would require a lot of inner work. It requires quite literally becoming a different version of yourself, which means there's going to be painful parts where you're you're almost like killing off your old identity so you can become a new one. And no one talks about like that that is hard. That part is definitely challenging and it is so worth it every single time. So true. It's so funny. I just did an episode that I called the messy middle, which I was talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that distance between your old self and your highest self and your best self in that middle area. And I said that same thing. Nobody talks about this and how challenging it is. Um, Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about that segues nicely here is becoming that highest and best version of you. And how do you create a community of women around you that support that version of you and help you deepen your growth? And like, how, how do we navigate when those lifelong friendships we've had or family relationships just aren't fitting into this next level version of ourselves. Ooh, that is a such an important question. It's such a big question and I think I, you know, I really hear two things in it. So I'll address both of them separately. It's the first part is how do you become that person? And I think there's this very individual journey that we we all go on when we decide we're going to become someone different. And we have to realize that that growth might trigger some fears. It might trigger fears in other people. It might not look almost, I can almost guarantee it's not going to look how you think it's going to look. And that's a beautiful thing. That's actually how you know you're growing is when you're stepping out into the unknown. But it first starts by getting really clear, as clear as you can about who you want to become. And I like to look at this in maybe like six months to a year out, because I think what I've realized too, is if I had tried five years ago to envision this version of my life, it would have freaked me out. Like it, I think some people are better with like being able to see the really far out version of themselves. I have always had to just look maybe six months to a year ahead of me because otherwise I might actually create a goal that's too small 
or I might fully see a big vision and it might really trigger some fears that make me not ever get started. So Mm -hmm. I'll ask myself questions like, who do I want to be? What's the business I want to have? Maybe it's what's, what's the relationship I want to have a year from now. And specifically, who am I in that business or in that relationship? How, how do I feel? What are the external things that I see? And then the second question is, what can I do to show up as her now? Mm-hmm. And it's small things, right? So often we see the future version of ourselves and we're like, but I'm not confident. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, really savvy when it comes to sales or I don't know how to, you know, I have no good pickup lines, right? So it could be anything, but you, you see the gap. So when you start to see a a version of your future self, you also become very aware that there's this gap, but that gap is something that we close one little decision at a time. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think it's really powerful to have kind of like role models or people that you just really admire. I honestly think even like when feelings of comparison are triggered or envy, like when we feel kind of envious of the results someone else has, I don't think that's a bad thing all the time. I think it's, it's good to realize that if something in another person is bringing up feelings for you of like, Oh, I'm not that but it resonates with you. It's like, you can't deny that something about their light really speaks to you. I think that's an indication that it's within you too. So starting to look at how do those people that you want to emulate, how do they show up? And I'm looking more for the nuances. Again, I'm not just looking for the strategy or do they post five times on Instagram or four times? No, it's who are they? How do they show up in the face of conflict? How do they talk about themselves and other people? And then I just look for how is that different from how I'm operating right now? Maybe I notice that I kind of complain a lot, or I have this story that I keep speaking over my life that there's no good guys out there. I can't meet someone. Start to notice how are the people who have the results that you want acting, thinking, you know, showing up differently. And then don't, don't beat yourself up when you notice like, oh shoot, I've got like some work to do. And then every single day, I'm just in the practice of catching myself in the habits that just cannot come where I'm going next. So let me make this like really tangible for all of you. Cause I don't want to stand here like on some pedestal. Like I've just got this all figured out. One of the things that's really challenging me right now is I know that I'm being called to step into like a different level of leadership a different level of being able to handle criticism and just being able to really hold space in a bigger way for a bigger platform. And I think the only reason I don't have that bigger platform yet is because I'm not that person yet. And and there are a lot of things that I realize I get very hurt when someone misunderstands me. I am very sensitive to certain criticisms. I've grown a lot in that area, but unfortunately the only way to kind of start to work through some of that is to allow it to come. And there's some things in my life right now where I'm really being challenged by relate and in relationships This kind of segues into your second part of the question where, man, I, it, it stings to hear criticism from those specific people. And if I think about who do I want to be? It's not someone who turns around and then gossips about the person who's misunderstanding me. Mm -hmm. It's not the person who just turns to anger, although I honor when I do feel angry, but it's the person who can hold a space of love, even when someone is, has totally has you wrong and might even be going on 
a campaign. I, I always joke. I had this one experience where someone went on an, I hate Lindsay campaign, like literally. And you know what? It was the most powerful growth season of my life because that was the one thing I thought I couldn't handle. Mm-hmm. And I found out on the other side of it that, okay, that person might've misunderstood or just really doesn't like me. But at the end of the day, I realized how much I like me. And that was the most important thing of all. Mm -hmm. So I'll pause there. And then I know there's the whole other, like when we grow and it affects these relationships, how the heck do we deal with that? But I'll, I'll give myself a breather there. I love the vulnerability and I just want to acknowledge you for that. And I think getting to that place where you say, I am going to prioritize how I think of myself and what matters most is my opinion of myself. Um, I think when we're brutally honest with ourselves and we can acknowledge like, Hey, these are the things I do well, these are the areas I need to grow in. And we develop that self-trust and that honesty with ourselves. It is true that that opinion of yourself is really what you need to go off of. Only, you know, are are you better than you were yesterday? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's some very close people whose opinion, yes, we can lean towards their opinion and what, what their thought is, but that's a, that's a small circle. And those relationships are built over time. And that, that vulnerability with those people is earned. Right. Um, But yeah, like having the the person who did the, I hate Lindsay (laughs) campaign, right. And being able to go through that and realize wow, she's probably hurting, right? Or he's hurting or whoever it was, like having that compassion for them and and realizing that that opinion does not matter. Yeah. It says nothing about your worth. Right. And at the end of the day, I would still prefer if everyone completely understood my intentions and liked me. And those of you who really struggle, I had this whole awakening around people pleasing. And I think this ties into relationships so much. So it's probably really worthwhile to go here. You know, I I remember in the midst of that, I hate Lindsay campaign, which just calling it that makes me giggle. And that like brings lightness to something that really like it was such a growth season. I am so grateful for that whole scenario because I didn't think I could handle it. And I found out I'm way stronger than I thought. But in the midst of it, I remember sitting with my husband, I was just in tears. Like my feelings were hurt. This was someone who was like intentionally going around with, um, trying to change my reputation with people that I had introduced them to. And I just had to surrender it all knowing that if I really, if I was really who I thought I was, my relation, my reputation would hold. And just that moment of surrender allowed me to just learn what I needed to learn from it. But I remember ugly crying to my husband and just feeling so hurt. And he looked at me and he said, like, just with so much love in his heart, he's like, I I'm really having trouble, like understanding why you're giving this person so much power, why, why you care so much. And I just looked at him like, and you know, it's like you get to see your partner like through new eyes. And I I just realized, yeah, one of his biggest strengths is that he really has an ability to not care. He can, you know, and I think we all care to some extent, right? But Mm -hmm. he has a different relationship than I do. And I said, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I thought, I always thought I had to get to this place where I just didn't care if someone else didn't like me or if they had criticism. Mm -hmm. And that for someone who, who wrestles with really deep 
you know, people pleasing tendencies. And, you know, I don't know if it's the Midwest in me that just like that Midwest niceness, but I had to realize that the goal was not to become this person who didn't care because that would ultimately cut off what my husband loves most about me. What actually makes me an incredible community builder is that I do care. I have to be really careful of when my care for people becomes caring what they think to the point that I'm willing to change myself just to try and fit what their expectations are. That is such a fine line. And I really want to speak to those of you who know that you just have this this heart that you can't really turn off this caring part of what people think of you. I will always prefer that people like me. It will always hurt when they don't. That's okay. It actually, it, the amount that it hurts does lessen over time. I think I, now I have tools to really connect back to that part of me that like, I know, I know who I am, but it's to realize that the same thing that maybe you've been telling yourself is this inadequacy, right? Oh, I'm such a people pleaser. I'm never going to, you know, whatever that's actually connected to your biggest strength that you are a very, I bet you're such a great connector. I bet you make people feel so seen and loved and safe in your presence. We just have to be especially careful of when we're swinging too far to the other side, where it's changing who we are to make someone else happy or avoid disappointing someone else. And the lesson that I learned in that season, I wouldn't trade for the world, even though it hurt. It really, really hurt at the time. And at the same time, I wouldn't have become this version of me had I not gone through it. So powerful, Lindsay. Thank you for taking time to kind of get to the nuance of that and talking about that fine line and that we can really care what people think about us, that that can be connected to a strength. Um, but I, I think about what, what you're saying is, you know, don't become the chameleon where you're changing in your relationships because you're so afraid that you're not good enough or that I think some of the core wounds are that I'll be abandoned, right? I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Um, and when we're acting out of that, you know, we don't want to lose ourself in order to maintain a relationship. Right. So good. Yeah. Which so many of the women listening are like, yep, I've done that. I know I did that. Oh, same. My early early dating life was all about like, okay, if my boyfriend's into jazz music, I guess I'm into jazz music. Like, okay. They like to snowboard. Let's go buy all new snowboarding equipment that I go like once a year, maybe like, you know, I had a big history of being that chameleon in Mm -hmm. relationships because I just wanted to be liked. Right. And that's the part, right? Is knowing what it's being motivated by. Because there's something to be said about allowing a relationship to open up parts of us that we didn't know that we could develop new hobbies or I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about how, so I've been married 11 years now and my husband in the last like two years decided he really likes wearing cowboy hats. So I was saying to a girlfriend, I said, well, I guess I'm into cowboys now. (laughs) You know, it's like, I love him and I choose him and (laughs) that wouldn't maybe be what I would prefer, but who am I to tell him what his higher self should wear? And so it's like this, this dance, just making sure that we're not conforming to something out of a fear and not addressing the root fear, right? Because if we think that that's going to avoid abandonment, it's not, we've got to address the root fear first 
and not pretend it's this outward thing when it really is something deeper, which I know your work is so powerful for uncovering. Yes. And let's follow it just a little bit longer. So what happens when we are the chameleon and we give up parts of ourselves and we do that because we want to be liked and we don't want to be abandoned. You and I know that in the long run, resentment builds. So you, you end up resenting that person because you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't recognize myself. I'm not who I used to be. And then you get to a place where you want to exit the relationship as quickly as possible. So being that total people pleaser where you give up who you are is not sustainable. It does not create long-term relationships. So that's why being assertive, being kind, holding on to your identity, boundaries, you know, boundaries are insurance against relationships ending. Mm, That's so good. So true. Yeah. I love this. I I mean, obviously you and I know this applies to romantic relationships. This applies to work relationships, family, friends. I mean, all of it. It does. I know. And, you know, I think that in what you were sharing about what can happen if we aren't mindful of this is you start to actually have no idea who you are. And so I feel like having seasons where you allow yourself and starting to, to trust yourself to speak up for what you do and don't prefer, what you will and won't tolerate, you know, yeah. if that's something you've suppressed for years, it will feel maybe like death. You might feel like you, you might just die if you speak up for that thing that's really important to you. But I think it's important to start to practice this in small ways, Mm -hmm. super small ways to build up that muscle. Because again, I think I had it so binary, like I had to become this other way. And that was such a far cry from who I had known myself to be. And, Mm -hmm. and let's be honest, the people pleasing works, it's produced results for you in the past. So it feels very much to your current identity. Like, well, if I let that go hold, well, then who, who the F am I? And I had to start to just really practice it in little ways, simply like, like this. Um, Here's a, a really tangible example. I, oh, I forget where I was. So, um, I had ordered something from a menu and it didn't come the way that I ordered it. Now, previous Lindsay would have been like, it's fine. I'll just pick it off. And I felt something rising up in me, like, no, go back and say something about it. And, and, you know, I'm having like this internal battle, like, no, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. And then realizing like, wait, I can still bring the kind person that I am to this conversation where I actually speak up for something that I prefer. And so I went to like the counter and I said, Um, so I probably even said, so sorry. Now I would be like, I'm not sorry. No, I said, excuse me. Hey, I had ordered this, you know, let's just say without the onions and there's onions mixed in. Would it be possible to get it remade? Mm -hmm. And I caught myself there because, because I actually think we also need to watch where we apologize for our preferences, right? It's not an inconvenience to someone Mm -hmm. that you are speaking up for what you want. So another little trick that I use. So noticing where, where are you kind of not speaking up for your preferences, starting to do that in little ways. And then the other one is starting to replace where you would say, I'm sorry with thank you. 
So instead, when I take four days to get back to someone's text message, because I have terrible text message etiquette, not like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy. Mm -hmm. Just saying, hey, thanks for your patience in my reply. Here's your, here's the answer to your question. Or, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make it to that event saying, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm not going to be able to make it this time. Keep me posted about future opportunities. And when I started to like notice where I'm literally typing out on my phone or in an email, the word, sorry, I literally then go backspace, backspace, backspace. And then I just look at, okay, where can I just take that out of my communication and instead replace it with thank you. And these little things these little tiny changes over time have started to bring me into a healthier place with something that really is a strength, you know, at the core of people pleasing is just this real desire to create connection with someone. I just want to feel connected. Even if it's the server bringing me my food, I want to know, I want to know, or how do I want to say this? I want them to know that I see them. I appreciate them. I want to feel connected even in those mini interactions. And I can have that and still have what I prefer. There's so much gold in this, Lindsay. I I love that you gave the tangible examples. I know the audience appreciates that so much. You know, what's funny is I'm thinking about Runaway Bride. (laughs) Remember that movie? Oh my gosh. Iconic. It is iconic. Yes. But she was the greatest people pleaser of all time, Mm -hmm. right? And it kept backfiring in her relationships, but she's literally getting out of her, her relationship with Richard Gere. I can't remember his name, but, um, and she's learning how she likes her eggs for the first time. She's like sitting down and having the eggs all the different ways. And I feel like that's a perfect example of it really truly is those small things. And I'll tell people who are reconnecting with themselves for the first time, you're probably going to have to take time to really give yourself uh, room to experiment and play with what are my preferences? What do I like? What is it that I want in my life? Like if you've been so shut off from that and you've been a chameleon, you're going to have to take time to reconnect to your inner knowing and learn what what it is that you really want. Mm, So true. Oh my gosh. Now you make me want to watch that movie again. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. Okay. I know we could keep going on this topic, but I wanted to circle back to our female friendships. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be female, but I'm thinking of like the women, you know, the women in our lives who we're close with. And let's say you're realizing I'm not a people pleaser. I can't be a people pleaser anymore. It's not sustainable for me. Um, I need to learn how to set boundaries to be assertive and kind. I have this big vision of, you know, leaving my job, um, I'm going to learn how to date in a healthy way. And I'm not going to go to brunch on the weekend and get drunk with my girlfriends and complain about the dudes that I'm, you know, trying to to message in my DMs. Like I'm just giving examples, right? But (laughs) I don't know. You're becoming this highest and best version of you. How do we navigate when the people who've been by our side, like they're questioning that, that move. And maybe they're like, I don't know you anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think some of us have had that. I know I had friends be like, I feel like I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. You know? how, how do we navigate that? <laughs> like, can we just straight up tell them? Yeah, you don't. 
I'm not the same person. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the wake of that um, one scenario that I just described earlier, there was a friend who had, had kind of, you know, um, sh- just shown true colors when I was going through that scenario and, and just was clear for me that that was a, a boundary that was in place that that person wasn't going to have the same position in my life. And, you know, I just remember her saying to me, I just wish she was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I totally had this all wrong. I should have had your back. And I just want to go back to the way that it was. And I don't know, like, maybe this was just like the savage that I had become. Like I, like I came through battle. Right. And I was like, no, I know who I am and I love me. But, um, I remember saying to her and it was just from such a pure place. I said, I love you. And I'm, that is not possible because that version of me is literally dead. She's not here anymore. There's, I can't go back to what we were because I'm not that person anymore. So mm. like, like the real savage part of me, we just wants to say, yeah, tell them you're not this. I'm not the same person. You probably don't know me. I'd love for you to get to know me, the new me. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the truth of it is that it, here is the thing that I think is just important for us to know. If you're on a growth journey, anyone who their whole identity is based around who you have been, the conversations you would normally have, how you showed up in their life for however many years. The moment you start to disrupt that, of course, it's uncomfortable for you, but it starts to make anyone whose whole identity is kind of based around like, no, we've had this agreement. Like we complain about our relationships. Now you're telling me you're on a no complaining commitment. Like what the, like what? the hell it's going to start to trigger anyone whose identity is is really founded in these unspoken agreements we have with the people we love Mm -hmm. and sometimes I do believe that conversation can heal anything I don't think I don't believe in the like just cut them off like they're toxic get them out of there at least for me that doesn't actually feel I feel like we have to pause there for a second right Cause that has been so prominent in like the self-help personal growth culture, that whole, like, just cut them out of your life and make space for other people. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's actually so hurtful for us. Right. Like, yeah. um, so maybe it's the invitation to grow together through conversation as, as you said, right. But, yeah. And there are cases where maybe it is to that point where there's just so much data for, for you that that relationship can't grow. And it is best if you love them from a distance, Mm -hmm. have no contact, right? Like there are those cases, but it's just so over. I I mean, yeah, I feel like our culture went on like a canceling. Um, Yeah. It yeah, just blows my mind. Being, and like a lot of things are being canceled right now. Like, like how, like how did we get there where we're supposed to just like never talk yeah. to people again? You know, I mean, I don't think that's how we're meant to be in relationships. It's so true. And and listen, I want to also acknowledge that you, some of you listening, might have a person in your life. You're like, no, guys, really, that person was toxic. It was necessary for me to remove myself for my own safety. For and that's not what we're yes. talking about. We're not right. talking about that. I do think it comes back to what you were saying earlier about boundaries, being really clear what works for you and what doesn't, being able to clearly communicate that with the people you love, especially if it's kind of in a, in, if it's changing an agreement, I think coming back to this, like there are unspoken agreements we have with people we love 
And we aren't even aware of them sometimes till we start disrupting them. Right. And being able to have a communication around like, Hey, I know we always used to do this. I'm really working on myself and really working to make this change. And part of that is I realize that something I'm actively working to stop doing or, you know, that's not serving this version of myself I want to become is, you know, maybe it's the group of friends you used to party with. And you're like, you know, I know, I know I'm making a change in kind of what our friendship has been based around. I would love if we could find a new common ground in this, you know, this person I'm committed to becoming and these new things I want to have as part of my routine. And if not know that I love you, right. It's so funny. We're having this conversation. I'm literally, this is like such an interesting time frame because today I'm, I'm um, going to reconnect with like my old college roommates who I, we're not really in touch, like other than yeah. like Instagram messages. And it's so interesting. Cause that was like, it was, it was just like such a different part of my life. I often wonder like, Oh God, what does like my previous circle even think about like this person that I am now or whatever. Right. You just see like the social media version. And I could make up all these things about like, Oh, I wonder if they think like, who does she think she is, whatever. And I just notice like how I want to make it not okay that I changed and I don't even know how they feel about it. Right. So I think there, you know, there's periods where you're going to have to renegotiate your agreements with people, the things that you connect over Mm -hmm. and that it is perfectly okay. If you come to the, the conclusion that that friendship just may not be what it used to be. That relationship just may not be what it used to be. And also no, that it is still perfectly okay to have a friend group that is just specifically there to support you in unwinding and watching The Bachelor while drinking wine. I love this. Our friends don't have to, our friends, our family do not have to be everything to us. But kind of to expand on that, then the second part of your question is, then how do you build that circle that's going to support you? as you start to work to become that version, it does start to bring different people into your life who you can build friendships on the new things that are important to you. So I still have, I'm still friends with people who could care less about entrepreneurship. They never really even ask how my business is going. And if I'm counting on them to know how to support me in this new realm I'm in, I'm going to be disappointed. No, I have my entrepreneur girlfriends for that. So once I realized that I don't have to put pressure that for one person to be everything to me, it gave me so much space then to say, well, which friend group am I kind of craving right now that maybe I don't have, and I don't have to cut off these other ones, but I do really want to have this, you know, this different kind of group in my life. And I'm going to go and intentionally create that. So good. I love this so much. It's, you know, being able to say, I'm going to drop the expectations that they have to be everything and that they have to fully meet all the different areas of my life. And and what we know, and actually Esther Perel, I'm sure you've heard of her, but she has really great work on this in our romantic relationships and how it's been so romanticized that your romantic partner would be everything to you. They'd be your therapist, your best friend, you know, power couple, whatever, like, but Actually, what I tell the women I coach is that get really clear on what is important to you in your romantic relationship. Like what roles really matter to you? 
Um, and like, for example, my, my boyfriend hates to travel. That doesn't bother me. I have so many girlfriends that love to travel. Great. He gets to stay at home and I get to go get that need met of mine with other people. So, so yeah, I love this when talking about friendships and and realizing you can have those bachelor and wine friendships or for, for me, I have some friends that I, I used to be a personal trainer. Um, so some friends where it's like, we can go work out at the gym together, but we're not going to talk about entrepreneurship, business, personal growth. Like they don't want to know about the Tony Robbins event I went to, right? Like it's just, let's get a workout in. So I I love this so much. It's so freeing. Mm, Freeing for you and for them. Yeah. Because look, people can feel if, if they're not living up to some expectation you have in your mind. And I learned this, I think this is kind of a good full circle to talk about the relationship component, because I had to really learn that in my marriage, you know, we've been now married 11 years, especially in the early years, I just expected him to be a male version of me. And he could feel that I might not have been saying it. But what I really, when I step back, and again, this goes back to being willing to look at what's really underneath that feeling or that fear I just was afraid of us growing apart. And what I realized is he didn't, at the time, he, he wasn't doing as much of like the personal development events and that kind of stuff. I was like a junkie, right? I, but I wanted him to do all the things with me. And he was like, I, I love it. Go like so supported. But he's like, no, I'm, I don't really want to go to that. Sitting in a room for 12 hours. No, thank you. And I realized what I really wanted most of all was for us to grow together in some way. Mm-hmm. And when I started to look for evidence that we were, you know, we've gone through seasons where we work out together. We're growing in our fitness together. We've had seasons where we're growing in our faith together. And maybe we're going to, we're connected to a church or, you know, just like having conversations about where we're growing in our faith, you know, regularly right now, we're in a cool season where we are growing in entrepreneurship together. And Mm -hmm. when I realized that I had this expectation of what growth looked like, that his version of growth had to be the same as mine, Mm -hmm. you know, you can apply this to your own relationships. It's like, where are our expectations just a little bit based too much in who we are and Mm -hmm. we're missing the, the evidence of where, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship where that is actually fulfilling something for you, mm-hmm. if you are willing to renegotiate what your expectations of that look like. And that's, you know, honestly, one of the things that has made our marriage so much stronger is when I learned that I was unintentionally bringing this resentment in because I had an unrealistic expectation and even one that I wasn't communicating to him. He didn't even know I had this expectation that wasn't being met because I thought it had to look a specific way. So powerful. So, so powerful. And then what you do is you allow yourself to be incredibly grateful for the ways that you are connected and the ways that you are growing And what I love about your marriage from what I could tell from social media, right? Like you support each other. Like you are each other's hype people. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're supporting one another. And I think, um, insecurely attached relationships, which is what I talk about with attachment theory. We want that partner who says, I am so excited for you with your growth and what you're doing, like go out and do it. 
instead of that partner who says, oh my gosh, I'm so scared that you're growing and changing. Are we going to grow apart? Like, you know, where is this going to lead our relationship? So it goes back to that security in the connection allows both people to grow and become who they're meant to be. Mm, Amen to that. I'm like, if you're making a list of your ideal partner, I'm like, that should just be one of the very few things on it is like, can we grow together? Do we create space for each of us to grow individually? And do we celebrate that? Do we celebrate it? Yeah, yeah, not fear of what it's going to mean for the relationship. Because I think when you're grounded in that place of knowing that that's a commitment, growth is a commitment that you're more than likely to grow together. Um, yes. And that's one of the things that we've just really set as an intention from the beginning is that everything we experience, we view through the lens of how can this help us grow even closer together? And mm-hmm. that sometimes looks like e- each of us are kind of on our own path but we're finding a connection point in the middle, no matter what, because that growth is like a value, a fundamental value of our relationship. And um, so far, so good. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. And I think people listening can probably connect to relationships where that wasn't the case, where if you were growing, the person was scared or they were insecure. I know in my past, I've straight up had a long-term boyfriend say to me, I would prefer if you did not earn more money than me. Mm. Can you please earn less than me? <laughs> You're like, well, you, maybe you should earn more. <laughs> Sounds like a you problem. <laughs> um, right. And it's like, that comes from insecurity that, and it's, yeah, we have to, we have to realize that we need to be with people that that want us to be taken care of, that want us to be that highest and best version of ourselves, not the people who get scared and insecure as we're stepping into that. And ha- having the partner I do now, it always just surprises me. He's so supportive. He's cheering me on. He always wants to know what I'm up to. Where in the past, I felt like I had to hide my business. Mm. I had to not talk about it especially because it's about relationships. Like the guy's like freaked out enough already. He's like, Oh my God, are you analyzing me? Right. right. Like, yeah. so like I had not, I, I never talked about it. And now it's, you know, a year and a half with my current partner and he's my biggest fan. Yeah. You know, and I want to like, just circle back to the, I think the key is, are they willing to talk through when insecurities come up? Because sometimes yeah. they do. Or is it, are they firmly holding on to those insecurities, right? Because there's one thing to say like, wow, you're growing. And I'm just noticing like what that's bringing up for me is, you know, these feelings of insignificance or like, can we just talk through this? Like, and Elliot and I have always had this, I don't even know, I really credit him for it because I was in a relationship in college previous to, um, to him where it was just a lot of this power struggle for who was in control, who was making the other person jealous. It was very subtle, like not overtly abusive or anything like that. But in a way it was kind of, you know, this emotional manipulation that just, I didn't realize wasn't normal at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. just did not realize. And I remember like, then sounds like similar to your experience, you know, meeting Elliot and, and having this relationship that was healthier than anything I'd ever experienced in, in ways that really challenged me to step up. And, and one of those ways was to, to speak the things that I was feeling, not afraid that, 
that was going to be used as a weapon against me. And to be able to say, you know, now it's, it's to be able to say to him, Hey, this is totally not, not based in anything that you've done wrong. I have been feeling insecurity lately about my body or about like, you know, maybe you wanting something else or wanting someone else. And I just need to speak it out loud. And to have that met with such compassion where it's like, oh my goodness, I am so grateful. Not you're crazy. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Yes. But like to have that conversation be based in this safety that Mm -hmm. we can always express what's coming up for us and take ownership over our own experience without pointing the finger of blame, having a conversation if it needs to be to be had about like, hey, you probably didn't realize that this came across to me like X. But it's it's really more about, is there a foundation of trust and openness to be vulnerable? Look at that. We came full circle. We did. To, get, to get vulnerable with each other, knowing that that's actually where our relationship is strengthened. The more I've given up my fears and insecurities to him, like now he knows those. If he wanted to hurt me, he could because he knows where I'm most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we've been able to share those with each other ha- is actually what has created the foundation of the marriage that we have, because now I'm fiercely protective over his insecurities. You know, the moment someone else like kind of trips that wire, I'm like, oh no, right? Like, and so we know how to keep each wow. other grounded because we've given over time, really given each other that trust to be able to share the things that, you know, feel extra vulnerable for us. So beautiful. I love it so much. And this is something that I think the audience can really take away as well. One of my favorite sentence structures for this is the story I'm telling myself is. So good. Yeah. The narrative I have is because you're taking ownership that that's how you put the dots together in your head. Right. Um, but I love that in that secure relationship, we're, we're so curious about each other's experience and we're taking that to help us deepen the connection and help strengthen the relationship instead of what you're talking about, where maybe in the past it's used against you or it's used to hurt you. Right. And at the core in a healthy, great relationship, I, I think like real love is, you know, we want that other person to thrive and to feel loved and to feel safe and to feel seen. So we use that vulnerability to help them and to strengthen the connection instead of hurting them. So true. And just yeah. highlights why the work that you're doing in the world is so important because once you're armed with these tools, it really allows you to create any relationship that you desire, relationships with friends, romantic relationships. And it's back to what we started with. It's part of who you get to become in order to have the relationships and the life that you desire. This is it. It's learning these tools, putting them into practice every day and knowing that you can really create the reality that you want. Mm -hmm. So good. This has been such a great conversation. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Like, how has it been almost an hour? That's insane. (laughs) Um, Lindsay, I want you to tell everybody what you're up to in particular, your amazing live event that you have coming up and just anything else that you want to share and how people can connect with you. Oh my gosh. You are so generous. Yes. Um, 
we have really, I'm very biased, but the most incredibly supportive community for female entrepreneurs, or just those of you who know that there's more for you, you haven't quite self-identified as an entrepreneur and you just know you have a big idea or something you want to put into action. Um, there's so many incredible ways to connect, including we have a podcast. That's actually one of my favorite places to connect. And if you love podcasts, um, it's just all under powerhouse women and then everything else, our live event that's coming up at the end of August and so many other supportive resources, um, are all linked on our Instagram account. It's just powerhouse underscore women. And I would love, just really love to connect with you personally, hear what resonated and uh, most importantly, champion you and support you in your journey as you pursue big ideas. Lindsay, thank you so much. And yeah, for the audience, we would love for you to screenshot this episode, tag us in your stories. And Lindsay, you have two Instagram handles. It's is it LL? You you have to tell people. I'm I know. Like, I want to make sure you're right. Eventually, I'm gonna the. <laughs> there are so many Lindsay Schwartz's. Who knew? And the <laughs> the one who has just Lindsay Schwartz won't let me buy her Instagram handle yet. Dang so it! I know. So it is. It's it's my my full name just with an extra L at the beginning because that was all I could get. So. I'm sure it'll be linked in the show notes. That's going to be oh, the yeah. easiest way. And For then sure. um, the, that's my personal account. And I love to hang out there. And then our community account is powerhouse underscore women. Um, and I, if you DM me, DM me on my personal account, because I don't manage the other account personally anymore. Um, but we have a ton of content and resources over there. And you know, if you are craving a community of women who are just kind of thinking big and again, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur to be welcomed there, but just ambitious females and you love that energy. Um, you'll definitely find a lot of them over in the powerhouse women community. Absolutely. And yeah, I just want to shout you out and just say how much I appreciate you. I was going through a really rough time guys. And I slid into Lindsay's DM <laughs> and she actually responded to me. And I remember thinking, okay, wow. Like she took the time it wasn't just like one DM. We were back and forth. And just the fact that you took that time out of your day to speak to me and it did make a huge difference. You are amazing. So I know that's one micro little interaction and that you help so many women. So I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing and fully support you as you continue to help people. Oh my gosh, you are amazing. And yeah, it's like that story we tell ourselves that holds us back from reaching out and making the connections like, ah, oh, that person's too busy. You never know. You know, you just so never know. And that was such a contribution to me that you were willing to allow me to, to speak some life into a challenge you were facing. So honestly, thank you so much. It's so, so fun to finally get to connect face to face. And I can't wait to do it again soon. I know. I know. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Everyone go, go check her out. And of course, we want to wish all of you high self-worth and great relationships. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram Facebook and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce 
And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.